0: Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host Sue DeCaro. I'm super excited to introduce my special guest for this episode, Janet Philbin. Janet is a licensed clinical social worker and the author of a best-selling book, "Show Up for Yourself: A Guide to Inner Awareness and Growth." She is also a certified conscious parenting coach practitioner, a certified hypnotherapist, master on-ray energy healer, certified intuitive counselor, and a hypnosynergistic practitioner. Janet's unique eclectic style combines her years of clinical counseling, parent coaching, hypnosis, spirituality, and energy work. Her passion is helping people heal from the inside out. She is an expert in helping her clients uncover and heal the issues of the inner child, which are influencing their adult life and parenting in the present. Janet specialized in treating PTSD, infertility, depression, and anxiety. She is also a proud mom to three
1: children. Janet, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Sue. It's exciting to be here.
0: So, Janet, let's just dive into some of the most important things that I know are in your work that you do every day. And and the first is the relationship that we have to ourselves is one of the most important relationships. Having read your incredible book, I know this is something that you share with your readers and help them with. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of
1: this? Absolutely. The relationship we have with ourselves is the most important one to cultivate, yet I think it's the one most people leave to the side. And when we leave ourselves to the side and we're always giving, giving, giving to other people, making sure other people's needs are met, it leaves us very depleted and uncared for. So it's really of the utmost importance to make sure you are cultivating that relationship with yourself. And part of doing that is paying attention to your feelings, to your emotions, to your needs to the things that make you upset, to the things that bring you joy and working towards finding balance in your life and finding wholeness. And when we can do that, then we are actually full with self-care and self-compassion and then we have more to give to others. So for instance, if I am not doing good self-care If I'm not meditating, if I'm not doing my own psychological work and my children are very needy or are naggy at me or maybe even are yelling at me on a particular day, but I am full of holes, H-O-L-E-S, and they come at me or I perceive they are coming at me, I'm going to react in a big way and maybe yell or give out punishments that maybe don't fit the crime. And it's not because the children are doing anything wrong. It's because I have not been taking care of myself and I have no resources left to help my children effectively. So when we do really good self-care, when we really cultivate and build that relationship with ourself and take care of the self, we're actually making the self sacred and Honoring the self, and that is the place to start, and that's actually why it was the first chapter in my book, because if we don't start with the self, we've we've missed the whole big first step. We have to start with the self. I think that is so beautiful how you shared that.
0: and I, and I think it's one of the things in our society that we don't look to. We don't look first to the self and then outward. We look outward. And then lastly, as most people say, you know, they feel as if self-care and self-awareness and the focus on the self is selfish. And as you and I both know, it's selfless because we don't put ourselves first. We can't serve anybody else. And I I love what what you said in using the word wholeness. And I think that if you had one step that you could offer our listeners who have children, and are navigating every day raising children as well as focusing on themselves what is one thing that you think is the most important step that that our listeners can focus on in developing wholeness as you so beautifully put it
1: yeah that's a great question one of the most powerful things i have found and that i teach my clients is to take a pause in what The way I work, excuse me, the way I work with people, I have begun calling it the purposeful pause. And that's actually also another chapter in the book where I describe it in great detail. But essentially, it's about taking a hard stop when something is happening outside of you that you want to immediately react to. And instead, you stop, you pause for a moment. Or two or three or five minutes or 10 minutes. And in that pause, we tune into ourselves. We ask, okay, what is going on inside my physical body right now? My kid just threw their cup of milk on the floor. The cup is now broken and the milk is everywhere. And I have a knot in the pit of my stomach. Can I tune into that knot? and understand that something old inside of me is getting triggered, that maybe when I was a kid and I spilled a drink on the floor, I got screamed at or hit or shamed, and that I don't need to react to my child in the same way. So we take a purposeful pause. We take a few breaths. We tune into the body. We understand that, okay, this reaction is just coming from an old place inside of us. And we calm ourselves down. And then we can go back to the child and respond in an aligned, calm way, inviting the child maybe to help us come clean up the milk. And accidents happen, and that's okay, but let's solve this problem together. And then we don't need to react at them. Instead, we respond, which is much kinder to the self and much kinder to your child because no one really wants to yell at their children. No one really wants to be reactive, but because we walk around unconscious and we don't pause, we wind up reacting, which I think is really a reenactment of our own childhood wounds, or maybe a reenactment of an upset we had yesterday. If we had a fight with our spouse or partner and we take it out on the child. So we want to pause here and take a few breaths. And if you can, if your child is older, you leave the room and say, hey, mom's taking a mommy time out. Go into the garage. Go into the bathroom. If your child is very little and you can't leave them unsupervised, go sit on the couch. Go stand in the corner so you can keep your eye on your child, but don't talk. Mm-hmm. Even just turn around and not
0: face the child. That's Exactly. That's beautiful. And I thank mm-hmm. you so much for not only describing what a purposeful pause is, but taking us through an, an actual example, which was a beautiful example, because we know these kinds of things happen in every household. Children throw, throw things. It's just the nature of childhood. And I think one of the things that, again, is you know perhaps a myth, is that we think we have to respond or react or do something immediately, not give pause, not have breaks between what we say, what our children say, or anybody else in the world says. And you know, I know for me, lots of people come to me and think they have to give an answer right away or address something right away. So giving that break and that pause and that time for breathing where we can notice what's coming up and not feel the pressure of ever having to react or respond unless there's danger with immediacy. It really offers
1: us such a gift, doesn't it? Absolutely, it you really, and that ties back into what we were saying earlier about that relationship with yourself, because we want to have a conscious relationship with ourself. so if you pause before responding to anybody, whether it's a friend, a parent, a sibling, a coworker, a boss, we are first honoring the self, okay. Let me see what's coming up, what's in alignment for me, what's my stuff, and what is what I actually want to share, and how can I share it in a way so that I am heard, because no one really hears us when we're reactive.
0: That's for sure. That's that's an important thing to keep in mind. No one hears us when we're reactive. So you mentioned uh, reenactment of our childhood wounds, which leads me to talking about the beautiful force of the inner child and the beautiful inner child. I like to think of the inner child as a beautiful, beautiful thing. So can you share a little bit with our listeners how you would describe the importance of that inner child in helping us through our lives and through raising our children? Let's talk a little bit about the inner child. Absolutely.
1: Yes, I love talking about the inner child also. I think that is something both of us share in common. The inner child is that place inside of you I like to think of as that the true self, the part of you that came into your being when you were born, untainted, pure, And true. And the inner child always is living there inside of you. But what happens is most of us have been raised by unconscious parents at some level or another. And in order for the inner child to survive, it builds a protective wall or shield around itself, which becomes the false self or the ego in Eastern philosophy, and then we function from that place of this wall or the false self in order to protect the inner child. Because these defense mechanisms had to develop in order for that pure light of your inner child to survive. So the inner child is always living within us. Sometimes people might hear it referred to as the wounded inner child. I don't know that I really believe that the inner child is wounded, because that means some sort of injury happened to it. I think as human beings, we are actually quite resilient, and we learn ways to protect our true essence, to protect our inner child, and that's why we develop these walls around it, these layers around it, of the false self and the ego to protect the true essence of who we are. So when we are doing healing work through any way that you might find or be called for to do healing, whether it's through traditional counseling, through energy healing, through acupuncture, through hypnosis, or any other way someone may find healing through a a skilled coach, then we can heal those outer wounds of the wall of the ego of the false self and allow the true self to reemerge. And then that inner child within us, the one that holds all the joy, the one that holds all our light can feel safe to come out of hiding and can be present now in your everyday life in adulthood, because then we can tap into it and use his or her gifts. I hope that answered your question.
0: It's absolutely beautiful how you described it. And I think, as you said, that's where our light actually is. And when we get to the inner child false self and, you know, kind of crack that those wounds open, so to speak, and move through whatever we need to, the light is shining brightly, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it's such a beautiful place to, to really bring out that true self. So I, I want to focus on your incredible book. Um, I first want to just share with our listeners that I read this book like so quickly, much more quickly than most books I read and just found it fascinating how you help the reader to think about each idea that you bring to life in such a connecting and moving way, a transforming way. So if you had to think about your entire book, which chapter would you say is uh, most purposeful? <laughs> 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 Obviously they're all purposeful and they all have incredible meaning and really help anyone who picks up this book in such a um, transcending you know, opportunity. But what would you say is one of those chapters that really was
1: connecting to you in a bigger way? That is a really hard question, Sue. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Because as you say, the book, one chapter ties into the next. But the chapter I think I feel the most proud of is the chapter called The Spiral of Healing. And even though that chapter is in the middle of the book, The reason why I'm the most proud of it is because that chapter was the reason why this book became an idea to become a book. It was the motivation and it was an idea that came to me more than five years before I started writing the book. And so The Spiral of Healing is a theory of healing that I've come up with and the premise of it is it is a framework of healing my book is not a how to heal it is not a step-by-step guide I will not take the reader through saying first you must do this and then you must do this and then you must do this because I don't believe in that Mm -hmm. I believe we all have our own way that we heal that we feel called to heal and there are pieces in my book that Someone may really resonate and someone else might be like, "Mm, yeah, I don't like that part. And I think that's perfectly great. So this is a framework. So the spiral of healing allowed me to form a framework of how healing happens. So the spiral of healing has four components that make it up. Feel, heal, grow, and love. And though they are four components, they don't actually happen separately. They sort of happen simultaneously. And so as we heal, I believe we go up this spiral. So if you could imagine a funnel that starts narrow in the bottom and gets wider at the top and spins sort of like a tornado spiral, but I don't really like using that analogy because tornadoes are scary. So this is a healing spiral, but just to you know to give a framework for understanding it, as we go up each layer of our healing, we go through different aspects of feel, heal, love. And grow and then when we have to go back and look at an aspect of our life we go through the healing paradigm that I share in the book and we heal a layer or a level and then maybe in the future we may have to look at that same painful event again but it won't be as hard to look at or emotionally trying to look at because we've already healed it at a lower level on the spiral Now we've grown a little, we have more wisdom, we've forgiven ourselves, we've found a way to love ourselves through it, and we can look at it now with a new perspective. So we grow up the spiral of healing. We heal as we go up it. And in um, the chapter after the spiral of healing, I actually break down the four components of it, feel, heal, grow, and love. And really deconstruct them. And what does each word mean? And what does each aspect of the framework of the spiral of healing actually mean and look like? So I think that's really the meat and potatoes of my book. We build up to it before that chapter, giving a lot of information. The understanding of the chakras is also very important to the healing framework that I share. And then the how to put it in place comes after that chapter or those two chapters, really. So I think for me, that's the part of the book I'm actually most proud of is those two chapters.
0: Beautiful, and and the book has a wealth of information. You are one knowledgeable gal, Janet Philbin. <laughs> <Thanks>. So <clears throat> uh, I'd love to just tap into. You know, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that because I think that number 1 not only is your book brilliant but there are many parts of it that you know speak loudly to all of us or any of us so thank you for really honing in on on that particular chapter and sharing your thoughts and and how that came to be i wondered if there is anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't touched upon any parting words or any parting thoughts
1: i think it's important for everyone to know that They have the ability to heal. Every single one of us has had some sort of difficult life experience or traumatic event that we have survived. And when we don't address the feelings and emotions that are connected with that event and we push them down, we bury them thinking, oh, I can keep them safe and neat over here in this box they won't affect any other area of my life. I think we're fooling ourselves because that box gets opened and we, we get reactive, even if it's road rage at someone and we're yelling at another driver. And I think it's very important for all of us to be able to tune into and tap into those parts that need healing so we don't act them out, so we don't fool ourselves. It's where I believe addictions also stem from because we're trying to fill internal holes with external fillers. And I'm not saying all addictions and I'm not an addiction specialist, but I do believe it's a component of addiction. So I think we all need to take a, I don't want to say hard look because that doesn't sound Nice. But a a comprehensive look at ourselves and an honest look. I think that's a better word. An honest look at ourselves and really give ourselves permission to heal. And just know that anything you need to heal from, anything you need to go back and look at, is not going to be as painful as living through it when you lived through it. Mm, That's beautiful. And this is part of
0: being human. Thank you for that. In the link, you will see Janet's fabulous book. Please visit Amazon or wherever else you buy your books and get your copy. You will love it. Thank you so much for joining us, Janet. It's just been a pleasure chatting with you about all these wonderful ideas and thoughts and and your, your book and your work. Thank you, Sue. It's been wonderful to speak with you. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us. And remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.